0: With Conair Girl Bomb.
1: The first thing that came to mind is just be patient and be present. And present has been a big word for me like this year because I'm starting to realize what it's like to have a whole week and look back and be like, I have no idea what just happened. And what's the point of that?
4: Episode 393, Alana Springsteen. A couple things. In this interview, you'll hear me try to uh, figure out a town near Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is where she's from. I was thinking of Chesapeake. Chesapeake, yeah. Yeah, which they call, them. they say Chesapeake, Yeah. So I'll, I'll get to that, and I can't remember what it is, but that's what it is a little later on. You know, she picked up a guitar about seven years old, started writing by like nine, and I can believe that. It's like some of those kids on Idol, and they were like, I knew at one year old I wanted to write songs, and I wrote my first one at a year and a half with a rubber band. And I'm wrote like, no, it, you didn't. Wrote it in the womb. Yeah, you were <laughs> pooping. So anyway, I really enjoyed this talk with Alana, and... My favorite thing, too, is the fact that I'm talking about how people mispronounce her name. They do mine all the time. And then at the end, I still mispronounce her name right into her face. And I think a part of that was because I just kept saying all the ways it was mispronounced. Or I'm just an idiot. One of the two. But I don't know. She was super nice. You know, I never know what to expect with new artists, especially if they haven't done, you know, an hour-long sit-down, really nowhere-to-go type interview. But I thought she was great. You know, she has a three-part album. And her first installment... Twenty something, messing it up. It came out last month, right? About a month ago. Yep. Here is the first song released, and track one on the album called "You Don't Deserve a Country Song."
1: The second that I'd
4: song released, and the last song on that album is called "Shoulder to Cry On," which we featured a bunch of times on the Women of iHeart Country. I- I thought what was interesting, the most interesting about this is the fact that she got a publishing deal so young and she just moved to town. Yeah, it made me feel bad about myself as a kid. As a, yeah. As like a young teen, it was crazy. She tells the story and she just moved here when she was a young teenager, but she got a publishing deal. So here we go. She's on tour with Luke Bryan's Country On Tour. That's the name of Luke's tour? Country yeah. On Tour? Boy, you just hit it right on the nose, huh? Country On. Country, oh, it's Country On yeah. Tour, like a song. I thought it was like just country on tour. It's just country going on tour. It's like a dude on a tour. Yeah, uh, country on tour that starts in June. She's gonna be a big star. Follow her at Alana Springsteen on Instagram and let's do it. Here she is, episode three ninety three, Alana Springsteen. You drink coffee? You know, I a little bit now. I don't really like it. Okay, really. Uh, you can roll on this. Nothing like a red coffee discussion. <laughs> um, you know, I never even tasted coffee until like five years ago. Really. Yeah, I just, I just, it smells bad. So I never really got into it. And I was doing uh, Dancing with the Stars and I was struggling because I was working the radio show, training for that show and touring. And I was just dead. So I drank coffee and I hated it.
1: Out of necessity.
4: Yeah, but it really did, <laughs> Caffeine doesn't really affect me that much. You?
1: It actually, it's hard to tell because I definitely have like three cups a day. Like I If you I don't, will gossip. you get a headache? I will, absolutely. And it's funny, I was sick recently. Like, I guess like, Last month, I got this like throat congestion, like just it was that time of year. And when I'm sick, it's like the only time I'm like, okay, I, I should not have this caffeine. My body does not need this right now.
4: I had a some weird deal with well, compared to illnesses where I had a cough for like six weeks. I went out to California and I was doing a deal, and I got sick. And I have a doctor that now can prescribe medicine anywhere. It's pretty cool. It's a concierge doctor. You have. Ever- I got it because I would just be on the road so often and I would go to minute clinics if I got sick and they'd hit me with a steroid shot or they would just be like, you're not from here. Wow. So we can't really do much. So I got a concierge doctor, which like changed it so I can be anywhere and be like, I need crack.
1: That's a game changer. Not crack though. <laughs> <laughs> not crack. <laughs> Only sometimes.
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, good to meet. I don't think we've met.
1: We have not I don't met. think
4: we've met. Yeah. So, but congratulations on everything. I mean, I see all over the place and it's really cool to kind of watch. It only happens a couple times a year where you kind of see an artist like definitely get crazy traction before the big pop even happens. Oh, wow. And that's how I would, if someone was asking me to describe you, that's what I would say is that, man, I see her everywhere. She's got crazy traction and it didn't even hit yet. Man. So that's a, and I don't want you to take it and hit yet as a bad thing. I think it's a great thing because you're already like killing it and the early potential isn't even there yet. Do you feel in the last year or so? Do you feel like you've kind of made some ground here? Or have you just been running so hard it all? feels the same.
1: Man, thank you for saying that. Um, The past two years have been the absolute craziest time in my life. Um, And it's been like my early 20s too. I'm just 22. So I'm going through all this change, like kind of getting to know myself, figuring life out and just how to be an adult and all of that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, yeah, it really has felt like a whirlwind from the music side. I mean, this year I'm getting to release my debut album, I released a couple projects, History of Breaking Up, which was kind of the catalyst for finding this fan base and this community that related to what I was saying. Um, Apparently, I'm not the only one that has terrible taste in men. (laughs) um, You're
4: supposed to when you're 22.
1: You just... Figuring things out, you yeah. know, making spo- mistakes. You're supposed to
4: like coffee and like bad dudes. That's it.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you just lumped yeah. coffee in That's with it. my it's bed. That's it. It's the same thing,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> the same thing. Um, but it really has been a whirlwind. I mean, I, I moved to town when I was 14. Um, really? Yeah. From and where? I'm from Virginia Beach originally.
4: So I've been to Virginia Beach a bunch. I've been to Virginia Beach and all of that area. I played the festival on the beach, you know. So I've oh. spent a lot of time. And there's a lot of military that we work with over there. Yeah. And so... Is the, Did you grow up in, like, the, a military area-ish?
1: I mean, there's so much. Yeah, you got, like, the Navy, the Air Force. I mean, being from Virginia Beach, it's like you just talk about the jets flying. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, jet noise what, all day I long. I think of
4: when I think of Virginia Beach is just, you know, all of the USA. Yeah.
1: The it's p- a real thing. And then people would come visit and be like, what was that? Because they fly so low and you just get used to it. Yeah. Um But— the town I grew up in is called Pungo. So it was like a Okay, don't know suburb.
4: that one. You guys don't call me that often. Pungo doesn't really Pungo. reach the, Yeah. <laughs> so So how many people in Pungo?
1: You know, I don't know the exact population, but I'm painting a picture for you. Okay. Um, I grew up like five minutes from the beach. It's like a straight shot road that kind of winds. It's called Sandbridge Road. And it's like a local beach. The beach is called Sandbridge. So it's not like as touristy. It's a lot more quiet. Um, but I also grew up like right next to cornfields strawberry farms, like farmers that have been there for generations where everybody kind of knows each other. My grandparents knew these people. Like, um, and so it was this really cool cross-section of what felt like country meets coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, and did, did for did a while— do
4: you guys do that a lot of the ocean stuff there? In oh, that part? big time. Really? Was it, is it always cold? The water always cold, though?
1: It's not. I mean, in the summer, it warms up pretty fast. There's massive surfing competitions. Really? And I still regret to this day that I never learned— I will one day. I think surfers are so cool. (laughs) Wait, so you
4: you never learned to surf?
1: I never learned. you lived at the
4: beach? Isn't that crazy? What did you do at the beach then?
1: Uh, I mean, lay out, you go in the water, body surfing, but I'm just self-admittedly not the most athletic person. My coordination is not, it's not, I'm calling myself out here.
4: (laughs) I'm not, you know, I, I didn't grow up around a beach. I grew up in Arkansas, so we didn't have any sort of beach and never went on vacations or anything until I got older, but... I'm not a beach guy because I was never around it. And all my friends want to go to the beach. Like it's a vacation. Even my wife. Let's go to the beach. Let's go. To the... What do you do at the beach? <laughs> I don't. I don't, I get there and I'm like, now what? Like what? What do you? You just, you just
1: lay out and you soak up the sun and you smell yeah. the ocean.
4: Yeah, like all those three things don't interest me at all.
1: Like <laughs> soaking
4: up anything. I'm good. But so you grow up at the beach. Were you? Were you a musical kid? at Twelve.
1: I mean, music, I feel like, was just in me from when I was born. When did you learn to play
4: your first instrument?
1: I started playing guitar at seven. And I will never forget the day that I picked it up. My granddad, who doesn't play, um, had this orange classical guitar sitting in the garage. And he was, like, cleaning it out and brought it inside. And I was seven. And I just remember him opening it up and seeing it for the first time. And I was, like, just so drawn to it, mesmerized. And I was, like, can I have it? Can I have it? And he made me promise to learn to play it. And he gave it to me. And so the only person in my family that played was my uncle. I would beg him to come over on weekends and teach me chords. But um, I just had this love of it. That's all I wanted to do. Like, when,
4: when could you play five chords? What age?
1: Oh, I was definitely seven. Really? Yeah, dude, nonstop. Oh. Like I practiced all the time. I just loved it.
4: So were you practicing thinking when you grow up, because at seven, who knows what you want to be when you grow up. But I mean, I did. Were you like, I want to be a singer? I want to be, or were you just like, this is a fancy looking guitar? I'm seven and Mm -hmm. I'm going to play till I poop. I don't know what seven year olds are.
1: Right. I I just, I don't know if I knew at seven that I wanted to be an artist yet. I think that wasn't really unlocked for me until I started writing songs. That changed it for me. Um, But I definitely loved music. Like I grew up in a musical house. Nobody is in the industry, but my dad was always playing something. From Michael Jackson to John Mayer, Ace of Bass, like 80s music, like just a wide variety of things. So I grew up with that and both my granddads are pastors and I grew up singing in church a lot too.
4: Uh, yeah, that would be a big influence then.
1: Massive. Yeah, because like a harmonies. lot of, yeah, a
4: lot of people, especially in country music grew up in church and they go, yeah, I sing in church. But if both of them are pastors, mm-hmm. did they ever like have a rivalry?
1: <laughs> you know, what's funny is they actually get along like so well and they agree on almost and everything. So when we have family get-togethers, like my grandparents will just be sitting there talking about the Bible. But who gets and... to say the blessing? Oh, it's because I think that will be yeah.
4: <laughs> You just like that's what you call it—the battle of the blessing.
1: Battle of the blessing.
4: <laughs> so do they other churches close to each other?
1: Actually, my dad's um, my dad's family is all in Illinois.
4: Okay, so they're not even close. They're, they're not close. battling for the collection plate.
1: At least there's that, okay.
4: right? Yeah, that's good. That's safe then.
1: Just, you gotta worry about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, who's saying those blessings? It's a
4: big deal. So you're singing <laughs> a little bit in church. When did you know that you could actually, not be a good singer, but but actually stay on key and sing kind of like the radio or kind of like, you know, Napster or what, however, whatever you're doing?
1: <laughs> I, f- I have vivid memories of like, because what I listened to, I loved vocalists. Like Carrie Underwood, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Shania Twain, like I just loved big voices. And so I have vivid memories of me with my little iPod shuffle, like on the floor in my room with headphones in, trying to mimic these runs and just sing. Like I was in love with singing. So um, I feel like I I just had this obsession with being a great singer really young.
4: Did you ever want to be anything else? Like when you look back at 9th, 10th, 11th grade, even here, because obviously when you're in Nashville, music's everywhere. But did you ever think... Not that I don't want to sing, but maybe I want to be a veterinarian, or maybe mm. I want to be a I don't know, astronaut. Or w- once you got to that age you're like I you just knew.
1: Man, I feel like I knew so young. I knew so young. And I I had other things I loved. Like I rode horses for a while. That was one of my first loves. Um Here. That was actually in Virginia. Okay. Um and I did that for a couple of years and then music just took over. Like once I found songwriting, um it was this whole world that opened up for me, and I feel like I understood myself better. Like, there was things that I could say in these songs and get out through music that I couldn't any other way. It's my therapy.
4: Listening to music, who was the first songwriter that you heard? It, it can be an artist. Mine was an artist. But who was the first songwriter you heard that actually sang what you were feeling?
1: Mm. Maybe That's- an obvious answer, but Taylor Swift.
4: Yeah, obvious probably because it's true for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, John Mayer was that for me. He would sing things, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I felt that. Wow, no one's ever said that. Oh, but yeah. you felt that through Taylor?
1: I felt that through Taylor, and she was doing it so young, too. I think I had that to look up to. I, I could look at her and be like, she's 14, 15, 16, writing her own music. Like, there's no reason I can't do this, too.
4: When when you moved here at 14, I think you said 14? It was 14. Did you move here because of music?
1: Yeah, and who, so— who moved
4: here with you, everybody?
1: My whole family moved with me, um, but I first came to Nashville for the first time. I was ten years old, believe it or not, and I knew enough to know that country music was here. Like there were songwriters here. We didn't know anything about the industry, but I knew Nashville was the spot to like pursue this and get discovered. And, and air quotes, right? right? Get discovered. Probably in like a week
4: too. <laughs> you'll show up a week later. You'll be famous and rich,
1: You're big star. Yeah. Um, so we came here when I was 10 and I had my first co-writing sessions, which was unreal. There's nothing like that. I'm I just love the process of getting in a room. You never know what's going to come out. Wait, how old were you?
4: I was plus? 10. How was did 10. you even get in a room with who and who was it? Was it other, was like kids bop writes country or.
1: It was actually, um, Cherie Austin and Will Rambo who are incredible songwriters. Um, but
4: how did you end up? In a room with them. Who set that up?
1: It's wild. It's such a God thing, man. Like I we had we knew somebody who worked in the industry here that had like saw me sing the national anthem at Wrigley Field. You're I like, did a bunch of anthems when I was young. Okay. At just like, trying to at get at in like front of people. Nine.
4: That was your first big one, right? At Wrigley? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm a huge Cubs fan. So well, I, when I saw that note, I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. I get to say I'm a huge Cubs fan again. But you sang that at nine or so. Were mm-hmm. you were you a good anthem singer or were you pretty good? But since you were a kid like a cute kid, you got to go everywhere and do it.
1: I don't know how to answer that. I feel like I was good.
4: Yeah, but, okay. At nine or, t- if you saw you right now at nine or ten, yeah. a version of you, another kid, mm. and they sang like you sang there, would you be like, that kid's got a lot of potential or that's a freaking really good kid?
1: The, uh, the second. Because at, at that age, you're just like, oh, cute. Like, you don't take a ten-year-old, nine-year-old very seriously. Okay, so <laughs> the first
4: then, you say that, wait, my, I forgot what order I said it. I think the first one. Yeah, okay. So you would say that's a kid that's pretty good and if they keep working, they can be great if you saw you then. Maybe. Because yeah. like America's got talent. Sometimes those kids come out and they're like 10. They're opera right. singers and you're like, that's freaking crazy. Right. Like That's like obscene how good they are. Were you that good at 9 or 10? You can say yes. There's, we, we have all ego and no ego at the same time here.
1: <laughs> all ego and no... I like that. That's my new motto. Um, I think I was good enough. I could carry a tune and were I remember am- the amazed? reaction.
4: Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Were they like, holy crap, you're only 9, you can do that? Man,
1: I was going to like... I remember walking off the field... Um, which that was just so, such an ex- special, like experience too. I remember before just being so like, I was nervous, but I was so zoned in. Like I couldn't be distracted with anything. And one of my like signs in life, I don't know if you have these things. I'm curious. I don't but, bl- like,
4: uh, go ahead. You'll get me on a ramp. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay. Let's get started. Let's go into it. Um, I like have these things in my life that just pop up that are like signs. I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could call it maybe you're looking for things or whatever.
4: I'm not saying anything. I like your story. Don't don't cater to me with this. Don't begin making excuses.
1: I'm a big believer in I it. I
4: love it. I love it.
1: Um, but dragonflies have always been that for me. I will see them at the most random times. And there were hundreds on the field that day. It was crazy. Um, another one of those things is the number 18 for me. Mm-hmm. I've seen it twice today already. It's the craziest thing.
4: Where have you seen it today?
1: We were sitting getting these coffees and the girl across from me had just an 18 on her pants. Um, we rolled in here. It was exactly one eighteen. Why the number eighteen?
4: What's special about that number?
1: I couldn't tell you, it's but just I see up it
4: in times that have been important.
1: Yes, dude, all the time. It's crazy. I so, can't explain it.
4: So you had dragonflies, and number eighteen. And number was there 18. was there an eighteen at the ball game?
1: It was no eighteen at the okay. ball game. Not that I remember. Maybe I was sitting in seat eighteen or something weird. Um, but I remember walking off the field, and the lady that was standing there, um, she's like, "I've seen." hundreds and hundreds of these games and anthems and i've never seen a crowd react like that and i'll never forget her saying that that's awesome it was like nine-year-old me just like freaking out
4: that's good i like that you're also confident in the kid you
1: (laughs) i I just wish i could go back and give her a hug
4: well we'll get to that too i want to say what i was going to say about i wish that i could believe in science and i wasn't like going oh i don't believe well i mean i i I wish i could We, we i just had this conversation with amy on my show and Although she has some ridiculous ones. She was mm. walking near a tennis court and a tennis ball hit her leg and she was like, it's a sign from God that I should play tennis. And I'm like, no, you're walking next to a tennis court.
1: <laughs> oh my it's a God. ball. <laughs> There's
4: 500. Of th- so, but I told her, I wish that I could be open enough to believe in that. So I, mm. I, I think it's really cool that you ca- you can.
1: Yeah. Because
4: it's only bringing positivity to your life. There's yeah. no reason for you not to. Big time. So you see these dragonflies. Have they ever popped up in your life at other times? I mean... Like, why random, Why is a dragonfly so important?
1: It's usually times when I'm, like, have, like, kind of, like, questions, uneasy feelings about things. Like, maybe I'm just having a shitty day or whatever. And Do you have
4: any dragonfly tattoos on you?
1: I don't. That's what I want to get. Mm. I have some. I don't have an 18 yet, but I have my hometown area code. That's cool. I've got a moon back here because, like, one of the first songs I sang with my grandparents was Moon River. Um, and then I've got this little, like, inside joke between me and my manager.
4: Moon River. That's cool. Willie? What's that? What, what, Moon River. What, who, which version of it?
1: Oh, the Breakfast at Tiffany's version.
4: Oh, okay. So yeah. different. But, Audrey. Oh, the, even old. Yeah. So even yeah. even older. That song's been done by so many people in so many wonderful ways. That song probably you have really great memories attached to, right? If you sing it with your grandparents.
1: Oh my God, big time. Yeah. That's why I got this is it just, it, it reminds me of them. I'm super close to my family.
4: So. Are your grandparents still alive?
1: They are on both sides. I'm so wow. lucky. Um, and I always, I talk about my Nana a lot because I look up to her so much. Um, I grew up super close to my mom's parents and practically like raised me in a lot of ways too. Like I felt like I had another set of parents growing up, but my Nana just has this appreciation for little things, has a piece about her. I have, I grew up in a very loud, like chaotic, everybody has strong opinions. Just say what you're feeling, blunt, that kind of vibe. And that's not my comfort zone. Like I'm a much more quiet, kind of an introvert Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, and me and her just kind of had that bond. Like, I see a lot of myself in her, and I looked up to her so much growing up.
4: That's so. cool. My grandma, when she, I have her, she adopted me for a long time. Yeah. So that's her. That's my mom. The, that's beautiful. By the way, for those that can only hear, which is most of you, I'm um, showing her my tattoos right now. And so, But I have the state of Arkansas. You know how you have your little uh, Oh, yeah. i It's like where you're from. Yeah. So, okay, so you're nine, you do the game. You're mm-hmm. 10, you're here riding. Are you going back and forth before you move here at all? Yes. Or did you just come at 10 and say, I'm out?
1: We did quarterly trips. Wow. And when I say we, it was mostly my me and my parents would come out here. had some
4: crazy support.
1: Crazy. And I, at the time, like, I think I probably took a lot of it for granted because you're 10 years you're old. You're
4: supposed to. You're 10 or 11. Yeah, of course. Right? Or 12 or 13. You're like, this is
1: life. This is right. my life. This is how it is. But looking back, like, you know, amongst my friends, like hearing their stories of how they got to town and so many people are coming here on their own, like straight out of college, know nothing about it, but just have this blind passion and I have so much respect, like all the respect in the world, for pursuing it that way because I never n- knew what it was like to have parents or family that didn't wholeheartedly like believe and support and just feed those passions. Are they, um, they still together now? They are, yeah. Dang. And they live here now, Good for you. so they would take these quarterly trips with me. Sometimes we'd drive, which is twelve hours.
4: I've done it before. Yeah. You have. Yeah, it sucks.
1: Oh, man, it's a it's, long. It's a, one. a long drive. Yeah, it's a long and one. there's not a
4: lot. I mean, there's a it's a pretty not interesting drive there's a -A
1: chick-fil-a in lynchburg we'd pass and stop (laughs) but uh yeah they sacrificed so much seriously and from those trips just back and forth i learned so much about the industry and like got to know the community found some early champions that got me started i mean like bmi leslie fram i just um sorry leslie roberts it's too many incredible leslies in this town But um, Leslie Roberts at BMI, I met super young and she was one of those people. I just saw her yesterday and we were talking about just how far everything's come. And she's gotten to see me grow up in so many ways. There's a lot of people I can point to like that. But just found those early champions that were willing to help me and get me connected. And that's the special thing I think about Nashville. I don't know if it's like that in LA or these other music cities, but it feels like people genuinely just want to help you end up where you're supposed to be and help you along that path. Do you find that?
4: I've been a troublemaker a lot. So mostly I was fighting people the first few years I was here.
1: <laughs> Fight what? I, Come on.
4: Mostly. I, so yes, I've seen that now and then I think now I have some really great relationships but I came into this town like a bull in the china shop. Mm. It was just like I was different so I just took everybody on even people I didn't need to take on. Like there yeah. was, I look back at when I moved here 10 years ago and I go, dang, I wish I wouldn't have been so aggressive. Wow. But I learned, you know, I messed up a lot. Got fined a million bucks here. Got, you know, it, a lot of things happened. Yeah. But I think you're on to something. I think country music, there's more of an investment mm. from the consumer, the listener, to the artist, from the artist, to the label. From And it's still a business, and it's always going to be a business. But you're right. This is much more of a town of long-term investment because the people that are here are mostly going to stay here even if they're not at the same label or same publishing company. Right. And so, yeah, I think I do see that now where a lot of people do that. And when you're here with your family and you're 14, 15, they just, who all moved? And what was that conversation like? Because again, that's awesome that they were that supportive.
1: Crazy. Um, the catalyst really for the move so young was um, my I got an offer for a publishing deal. I'd been meeting with publishers and... Um, Got my first offer. At how old? I was 14.
4: They offered you money, like a, a publishing deal, like a salary at 14 years old. Right. That is wild.
1: And when I couldn't even drive myself to rights. That, that, that <laughs> is wild. <laughs> it's crazy. So right.
4: you who know, do they offer it to? Your parents? they have to offer it to your parents?
1: Um, my parents had to sign, I think. Yeah. But te- they offered it to me, technically. Yeah. Um, but, could they, but
4: 14, I couldn't work in Arkansas. We had to be 16 to actually have a real job.
1: You know what's funny? I think we had to set up like a separate account to put the money into that I couldn't touch until I was like a yeah. certain age. There was like all these laws and stuff that went into it because I was so young. Um, I think actually Taylor was 14 when she signed too. There's a couple other people that were that young. Um, but I got that first offer and... At that point, we had taken so many trips, and my parents just kind of saw what was happening here and that I was just where I was meant to be.
4: Did they like it here?
1: They loved it. How can you not? Nashville's special.
4: Do you have brothers and sisters?
1: I have three younger brothers. So So they all— Picked up the entire family, and we moved February of 2015. I think it was literally, like, on my dad's birthday or the day after or something. We were driving up, and we had this massive U-Haul and— the day before we left, it dumped snow. Like, it was a freaking ice storm. I don't know if you remember this. is like seven, eight years ago, but it was a it crazy was, ice storm here. It was 18 inches. Yes.
4: I'm just kidding, 18. I just wanted okay, to throw the It's not.
1: <laughs> it was absolutely 18 inches. <laughs> um, well done. But, uh, yeah, we moved here in the middle of all that insanity and just started writing, like, full time, you know? So you and took the publishing deal. I did.
4: How many years was that deal for?
1: Man, that was... I think I was there three or four, Yeah, three or four years. Did you write anything good? I wrote a lot of great stuff. Um, I learned a lot. I wrote a lot of bad stuff too, you <laughs> have to, Yes. You have to, you to have get to, to the good stuff. And I, But I, those years were just learning. Like I got to write with so many incredible writers. Tommy Lee James was at the company and kind of took me under his wing a little bit and was an early mentor of mine. And John Randall. Like I had a lot of people like that surrounding me that I just learned so much from. Just being in the room, watching how they craft these songs.
4: Were you singing at all? Um,
1: like, were you playing? Like, any- shows, things like that? Yeah,
4: like, songwriter nights or, or shows or, like, mini showcases, even if nobody came.
1: Not showcases so much, but I did a lot of rounds. Um, I played the Bluebird several times, which is so special. Um, Timpan South a few times. How did you
4: feel about performing as a kid here? I loved it. Okay.
1: I loved every second of did it.
4: Did you like performing more? writing we're you using writing to get to the performance part or did you think you may just be a songwriter like what was the goal at I mean you moved here so now you have to have goals mm-hmm. so now you're yeah you're still a kid but you just made a career decision at 14 that's right so you have to have goals what was your goal at 14 or 15?
1: I knew I knew I wanted to be an artist like even from that age like I saw myself selling out arenas mm-hmm. stadiums I had big vision like i I just wanted to get my music out to every everywhere. But I knew it had to start with music, like songwriting and being an artist always went hand in hand for me. Um, I think writing songs is what made me want to be an artist. I don't think I had those dreams until I had something to say.
3: Hang tight. The Bobby cast will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day.
3: and we're back
4: on the Bobbycast were you an impatient kid though when you got here you're 15 you're like yo uh, you should put me on a huge stage I need to be playing arenas right now
1: oh man I feel like I'm always at war with that cause I it's part of being young too I think you're just like it's like I wanna go like you just wanna run Um, but this it feels like this business is very much like a hurry up and wait kind of thing so I'm always at war. It's like part of me wants to get to that next le- next level so bad. Get to that next thing. You're always looking ahead at what can I do? How can I how can I get there? Um that'll, but at the same time but that'll never
4: stop with you. Never. It doesn't stop with me.
1: I feel like we're very similar it's that way. It's just
4: like and I'm constantly uh, and don't have don't feel any fault for being uh like confident and proud, especially with me because like, I have always thought I'm going to be the biggest thing ever. And if I did, nobody else would. Mm. So I have no no problem and no shame on saying that. Because if I don't, again, nobody else will. That's right. And I definitely feel the confidence in you. But not in a way of, like, arrogance. Again, you have to believe.
1: I appreciate that. I, it's like, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday, another artist. Um, it's It's almost like you have to have this balance of being overconfident to the point where you have the audacity to put yourself out there to be like, I have something to say and people need to hear it and think you're good enough to do it. But at the same time, an insecurity.
4: Absolutely. That makes you
1: want to be better. Yeah,
4: I'm wildly insecure. I'm super confident and wildly insecure.
1: It feels like- You that, have them both. It's right. It's this perfect like balance. And that's maybe why we're so crazy as artists and, and doing what we do. But
4: I mean, think about the fact that we think people should pay money to come watch us do what we create in our brain. I mean- You got to be pretty- what whatever word you want to use, confident, arrogant, cocky, it doesn't matter. But crazy is the word that I go back to because for me to go, all right, I'm gonna to go to a theater and I'm gonna there's gonna be 1500 seats. I'm gonna tell jokes and I think people need to pay 60 dollars a ticket. Right? Who
1: thinks that? You're like, why, what why kind would of weirdo Come think, see me.
4: <laughs> and then yes, and then it turns into the exact opposite where I'm like, oh my god, they probably want to leave. Oh, they're not having a good time. So, uh, am I even that funny? Uh, I have the uh, what, are they, what are they Imposter syndrome, like so. Big time. I battle that angel and that devil of you suck and everybody knows you suck and you're faking it versus no, you're kind of you're the best. You should have huge things happening to you.
1: It's the weirdest thing.
4: But you almost have to have that to be this crazy to do this. You do. And yeah. you were crazy young.
1: Young. I've I've always been crazy. You
4: got paid at 14 <laughs> to write songs.
1: Yeah. I. In some ways, it's weird because I feel like I've always lived in this like fantasy world in a way Mm -hmm. like I just I had those dreams as a kid and a lot of I feel like a lot of times you have these crazy visions when you're a kid and you're like one day I'm gonna be an astronaut I'm gonna Mm -hmm. be whatever it is but my like I was crazy enough to actually do it Mm. and still now be doing it so I think in a way it's like I've always lived in this world that I've just kind of made up in my mind. And now it's a reality and it's kind of crazy.
4: I always thought it was weird that people didn't know what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Because when I was five or six, my grandmother kept it. And it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, this is easy. I want to be a comedian. I want to be on the radio. I want to be on TV. I knew from kindergarten. Wow. And I thought all my friends were crazy. I was like, you guys don't know what you, how do you not know? Mm -hmm. And I knew from, you know, five. And I feel like you knew from seven, eight, nine, you know, from that age which as I get older, I realize is not common.
1: I'm going to ask you what you asked me. Is there anything that you thought about doing other than those things? Never.
4: Mm -mm. I've done other things other than those three things, like I write books or Mm -hmm. I'll, um, but no, it's I never even had a plan B because I didn't want to give myself an option to quit plan A. Wow. And there was, I mean, and I was poor broke forever. Not just broke, but like poor broke. When you're broke means you don't have anybody you can ask for money. Like poor broke. said so you got nothing. They ain't got anything. You have nobody even <laughs> ask if you do have. I was poor broke forever. You're in trouble. And so, but I was never, but it's easy to keep going if you're not used to having anything ever anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I never was like, it was never a plan B for me.
1: I feel like plan B's are just the enemy of plan A. Like they're going to sabotage you.
4: The two enemies that I found and one I try to avoid now is now that I have success on a big level is I don't want to get comfortable. And it's easy to get comfortable when you start to make a lot of money and you start to travel nice and you start to have all these things you can do in your free. And you're going to come to this, too, to a point where you're like, oh, man, I could just do this. I got a little money now. I could just. But comfort is the also the enemy of it. Mm. And get
1: complacent, I guess.
4: I will never get complacent because I always think I'm getting screwed over by somebody. Unfairly. Oh, or by something. We I'm need
1: like, to unpack that.
4: Oh, I do. I'm in therapy all the time. I love it.
1: (laughs) It's shocking. Yeah, Yeah, I'm in therapy. I I feel like this combo got so deep and I'm here for it.
4: I live in therapy. I love it. And what you're going to see, too, what's really cool about watching kind of your spaceship shoot up is that, you know, you talk about the last couple of years and how crazy it's been. Mm -hmm. Once you start to have even more success, which you're going to have, you are going to be even more tired and you're going to work so hard and you're going to be so lucky to be so exhausted. You're to have to check in with yourself sometimes and be thankful that you're that exhausted because most of the time you're just going to be tired and pissed. Mm. You're like, I'm, I've am i been flying, my throat's sore, I'm never home. And that's okay to feel that way. But every once in a while, you got to go, oh, this is what I wanted. Like, I'm so lucky to be this tired.
1: Mm. That's a great way to look at it. It's like you work hard so you can work harder.
4: That's it. That's and, it. And you'll reach depths of being tired. You've never been and it's okay and you can get upset you just try not to be upset at people and try to remember every once in a while that you're so lucky to be this tired. And it is a weird mindset to have oh, man. because all you want to do is be angry at everything. You're just tired and hungry, and but you're already on that track. And so it's about to happen for you where you're just going to be so exhausted. You're like, I got to go do a stupid morning show. I got to go now and do this interview over here. And in between, you're like, I'm so lucky to be this tired. Oh. That's all I wanted to do since I, God dang, since I was like seven years old.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I, I People come up to me sometimes and they're like, how are you? Like, are you doing okay? You've been going crazy. Like, you've got to be exhausted. And I hope I always keep this perspective I have now. It's like, I, I feel like I very much am just in that grateful place where I'm like, so many people work exactly as hard as I am are as exactly as tired as I am right now and still never get this opportunity, never get to be in this position where I am right now. And I would never, I would never take that for granted. Like the only thing I want to do is work harder. And I it's like, you know, talking again about that younger me, like nine, ten years old, I think about her and how badly she wanted all of this and just had these dreams that, that never never knew they were gonna actually happen or that she would get this opportunity, and I feel like I'm just doing it for her. What, you know?
4: would, what would you tell nine-year-old you? Just walking off the field at Wrigley Field, you just crush the anthem. Everybody's like, ah, so you're kind of on a high at nine, though. But you're like, I'm nine.
1: What's hmm. going to
4: happen? You get five minutes. What do, you, what do you tell yourself? But no psych, no stuff like... Invest in Apple. You can't do that. So it's no like genius. Of course, that's yeah, where your head yeah, goes. Yeah.
1: I was going for the sappy, like okay, meaningful guys. stuff. Because
4: I would cheat and be like, here's who wins the Super Bowl. Bet on it.
1: <laughs> so nothing like that. Like full on Back y- to the Future, vibes. Yes, meds. yes. I would, I think I would, that's a deep question. But the first thing that came to mind is just be patient and be present. And present has been a big word for me like this year specifically because I starting to realize what it's like to like, have a whole week and look back and be like, I have no idea what just happened. Like, I really can't remember. I can't remember how we got to the airport this morning. I can't remember what happened after the show last night. I, like, You just have these, I don't know if you feel this because you're just going crazy too, but it's almost like these holes in your memory where you're just on autopilot going, going, going and you forget to take in these moments and actually be in it. And what's the point of that? You I know? hear you.
4: I know I, you're way advanced at 22 than I was at 22 because I was not smart enough to even know that was a concept to be present. It was just run and now I look back and I'm like I don't even remember that or yeah. I don't So yeah, I didn't until like 3 or 4 years ago. I yeah. didn't start practicing being present and I'm still not great with it. I love my phone, too. Oh, I man. cannot have enough phone.
1: I'm with you there.
4: I mean, I just it's my I, I can have friends on my phone, I can be entertained, I can watch TV. So sometimes even the phone is gets in my way of being present at right. times. So yes, doing 40 things at once, but being on my phone, it's very difficult. But I now, like you're saying, I'm like, okay, if you don't, if you're not present for this stuff, why, why was it important? Like you're acting like it's a huge deal and now you're here, yet you're still not even that present. You're worried about something else or you're mm. focused on, you know, a lot of things that aren't a priority. So good for you. And you can't be present all the time.
1: You can't always. But
4: you can prioritize what you want to actually like keep dear to you and be present during those.
1: You got to try. And that would be my worst like I would regret it so much if I got years down the road and I'm looking back and I just never really soaked up these moments because I also have so many people like just giving me advice being like, you're going to miss these times. Like, I know you're tired. I know it's a grind. Like, we're right now, we're on a bus. We're in rental cars and planes. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. But people are like, this passion, this fire, this, like, intensity that you have right now, it's, it, it's never going to be like this again. So, like, soak it up. And so I, I don't want to forget any of this. There's so many cool moments happening. I feel like every single day. So, yeah, just being present.
3: The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back.
2: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: Welcome back to the BobbyCast.
2: How are
4: you keeping notes for songs? Let's say you're, so it's a Wednesday and you're stopping to get some coffee and some tea. Is it Wednesday? It's Thursday. Thursday. Oh my God. I don't know what day it
1: is. <laughs> We're all off track.
4: So <laughs> hey, let's say oh, I have a, a great idea for a song. It's called Coffee and Tea. What do you do immediately?
1: I get on my phone, I either, if it's a melody, Mm -hmm. which a lot of times it is for me first, I'm a very melodic writer, I'll pop in my voice notes and, like, make a voice memo. And sometimes I listen back the next day and I'm like, what the heck were you thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a mess. (laughs) I can hear more of, like, the background noise or if I'm driving, whatever's going on, I'm like, this is terrible. I'm never going to use this. But... uh, Were you singing a
4: gibberish melody? Let's say you go... Is that what you're leaving in there?
1: All the time. Whatever it is. Like, absolute gibberish. And a lot of times that's how I'll... Like, when I sit down at the piano, when I get in rooms with other people, I do the exact same thing. In a lot of ways, that's my process because I end up finding vowel sounds I like or a title will freaking fall out or words and i'll be like that's it like we need to write around that There's been so many songs that have started that way um, I mean 20 something for example, which is the title track of my album Was that like I was just at the piano one morning Had this like melody line in my head sat down And just ended up singing 20 something in the midst of my mumbles. So I definitely do sing gibberish melodies all the time and I really do need to get better about titling my voice memos though because mm-hmm. if you look through it it's literally like new recording 15045 <laughs> new recording 15046 I'm like what I have no idea I it's an undertaking like I have anxiety about going through my <laughs> my voice memos
4: that's funny <laughs> so that bad. it's just all randomly when you get a melody may, but maybe it is random if you get a melody though and let's say you had da 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 are you like, okay, this one sounds... But how do you title that, I guess, is my question, too. Because like, if you don't know...
1: Vibey, atmosphere. You would describe... I try to describe mm. it. Or like epic stadium ballad. Oh. Like whatever. Whatever, <laughs> whatever comes to mind. Um, I, I don't know. You should... I
4: Will you be somewhere quiet and you do it quiet? Or will you leave and do it? If you have one, you just die.
1: Quiet. Sometimes quiet. Sometimes you can't leave. Um, do you ever do that? Do you get yeah. melodies at random um, times? I get
4: funny ideas. Yeah. For Because, you know, if if I'm writing jokes, I will just take a concept. I just pull some up. Yeah. I think I have some here. And you're far more advanced than I am in that by far. But, like, I have a thing that's called song ideas. And I just write down. Yeah. Um, I need to fix one, one funny song that I wrote for stage. And it says fix the song called In-Laws. Um, I... Have a uh, idea about a dude who d- drives a huge truck, and it's like, is he having a midlife crisis or does he just hate the environment? Right. So it's like, so but, and they're not fully formed jokes, and some of them aren't even that funny. And then a song that I wanted to write called "Plural Rural Murals," and it's really hard to say. But and then you get—I the don't whole, even
1: know what you just said.
4: Plural rural murals. Plural rural murals. So it's multiple countryside paintings, right?
1: <laughs> that and one you, has potential. And you get the whole
4: crowd to sing "plural rural murals," but they can't. E- I can barely say <laughs> it, so can't they even can't say even it. say it. <laughs> Right. It's genius. So, and then I have, um, I have a really dumb one that I'll never write about a guy who meets a girl. Sounds like a traditional love song. And they kind of fall in love until he finds something out about her. And she's she's never been potty trained.
1: Even as a kid. So
4: she still has no idea how to... Does she wear diapers? Well, that's part of the story. I just have, she's never been potty trained written in my phone. She's got
1: adult diapers.
4: (laughs) I haven't even thought about that Mm -hmm. since I wrote that line. But you're right. Some of it you look at and it's, and yours are... Obviously, melodies of mine are ridiculous.
1: A lot of it's ridiculous. Yes,
4: eighty percent of the stuff I write, I never can get back into. But I need it for that twenty that I do find that I can really start to ding, ding, ding on.
1: It's so true. If we want people to think we're any decent at all, we should never show these people, show anyone
4: these. If anyone heard the potty train story, they may, you know, I share that with you. I'm being vulnerable right here. Never right. I'm, Mike. Have you ever shared the potty train? No, I'd buy that movie rights. For the girl, yeah. the, the love story? Yeah, that's great. Potty I mean, potty trains? You
1: know what's funny is that you might actually find some people out there that relate. They're like, oh my God, that happened to me.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend like
1: wasn't potty trained.
4: <laughs> that, that would be ridiculous. That would be, that would be weird. You might
1: find the one.
4: <laughs> Do you ever find a melody that you did a long time ago and you're like, oh yeah? And then you are like, I'm re inspired by this that I did and now let me write this song.
1: Dude. Actually, sometimes, which is surprising, because I I'm literally getting like five melodies a day. Like it, it's so much. That's why, that's why I have anxiety about my voice most, because I'm like, there's just so much to go through. Um,
4: you ever have anybody else go through them, or again, are you? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't
1: I put anyone else through that.
4: Agree. <laughs> not yours, my, my crap.
1: My, no, mine too. Yeah. Um, but I every once in a while, I'll usually wake up. Sometimes I'll wake up with these melodies in my head, and I'm like, what is that? And I'll realize it's from years ago something that I started that's still just kind of hanging around. And I think that's a special sign when you haven't forgotten it after that long, right? So, I don't know. Maybe they'll turn into something one day.
4: What about an old song that you wrote a long time ago that kind of comes back? You're know, like, oh, I, yeah, that was good. It's not there, but let me work on it again. Has it ever happened?
1: Mm, that hasn't happened specifically. And maybe it's because right now I'm so inspired by just writing in the moment mm. and kind of taking my fans along with me on this journey um you know my album being titled 20 something it's very much like this is life right now um and so i feel a responsibility to write about what i'm going through in real time
4: yeah it's hard to take a page from five years ago and put in a current diary
1: right Uh, five years ago for me for like 17
4: right i was reading when, (laughs) (laughs) when you talk about your album i just want to read you the first line of what whomever sent over uh, the album's about choosing to embrace that uncertainty and in the inevitable volatility, uh, volatility of her twenties. Now, you say that you've met a lot, of or you dated a bunch of unquality guys. Is that what you said at the beginning of this? Something it's very that nice effect? way to put it. Okay, <laughs> but if I read this headline here, embracing the uncertainty and the inevitable of volatility, that also sounds like you may be no walk in the park. Man, volatility,
1: volatility. Yeah, that's
4: a word. That is, it's a, it is a big one. Yeah, and if that's if I'm a guy and I'm like, hey, let me see. Oh, oh, she said she's volatile.
1: I feel kind of called out.
4: You said it, not me. That's why I <laughs> wanted to bring that up.
1: You're right, and the funny thing is, I think specifically this first part that just came out, it, the first six songs on this album are about messing it up. It's about the messy parts of being in your twenties. So and you
4: do acknowledge that you're in your 20s and you also screw up.
1: Big time. Got it. That whole first song. Uh, I feel like uh, there's an uncomfortability I have about releasing these these songs. And that's honestly the way I want it. Like, I think if I was doing, if I, talking about your 20s is an undertaking, right? Because it's so, like, especially, nuanced. Especially
4: in your 20s. I think that's pretty
1: it's so nuanced. advanced
4: for you to be able to do that now in it and say this is what, I mean, 30s, I can talk about my 20s all the time, mm. but you're doing it now.
1: And maybe I'll have a different perspective on it then, but I, I also think there's something special about being in it and talking about it as you go. I mean, I, I just write about my life. I write about my No. But a lot of these songs are me taking ownership and being like, having some distance from those relationships, kind of looking at areas that I screwed up too. And it takes two a lot of times. So I think I'm trying to be mature and like own up a little bit.
4: Do you think you have bad taste in guys?
1: I think everyone knows I have bad tasting guys, I, including I me. I don't
4: know that. I have
1: bad tasting guys. Yeah. The the track record shows.
4: Do you have a type?
1: <laughs> um I have a type, but not as much like physical. More it's more of a vibe, like emotional, I guess. I'm very much an emotional connection.
4: Do you person. need an emo dude?
1: I need a deep person.
4: Okay, that's fair.
1: I don't know if we'd call that emo. No, Is that the same thing? No, not always. I need somebody who is pretty in touch with their, like, emotional side for sure. Like, if we can't get to that depth, then I don't—I'm not in it. Which
4: is hard for a lot of dudes. Because yeah. they haven't been taught or allowed culturally to go to those places inside. You know, they may have masculine influences that are like, we don't get sad, we don't cry, we don't feel. And so not all dudes can do that.
1: Yeah, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Um but, but that connection, that, that connection, that's why it's probably so rare for me. Bobby, like, I don't connect with a lot of people on a deep level. It's a pretty rare thing for me. So I think part of my problem is when I do find someone that I'm like, ooh, I feel something. Like, you're interesting. I, I connect with you. I'm intrigued. I go kind of all in. I tend to get wrapped up in it. And I'm a very much all or nothing person, mm. which I think I'm trying to, I don't know if it's a bad thing or if I just haven't found the right thing to be all in on. Um but I think that's part of it is I full send and then really quickly kind of start to realize this is not good. Like I Why
4: why do, why do three parts the album?
1: Um it made sense to me because I kind of processed writing these songs in my 20 so far in these three separate phases. Um you know there's a lot of times when you feel like you're messing it up and you're missing red flags and you're getting things wrong and you're not trusting your gut and you have the messy side of it. And then there's been moments where I'm kind of just stumbling my way through and feeling like I'm kind of understanding things better. And then I've also had moments where I'm on top of the world, living my best life, feeling like I got everything together, which is usually not the case, but it feels like it in the moment. And there's all these different sides of it. So I, I thought it'd be cool to take fans along that journey with me. And it's also a way to give the songs a chance to really be heard and digested because I'm I'm a new artist and dropping like 18 songs is a lot. Saying.
4: I agree completely.
1: You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot to ask of people to be like okay, boom, here's 18 songs now go listen. So this way I can do six at a time and give the music a chance to be heard.
3: Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
2: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
4: This is the BobbyCast. What do you think right now you're good at?
1: Ooh, that's a take, very ta- general question. Take
4: music out of it, though. It is on purpose because it's to see kind of where you go because you did say you're very all in and sometimes it's not right and you're kind of doubting or at least not having full confidence in that area. But let's take music out of it. What, what do you have full confidence in you for right now? It's supposed to be hard. You're not in a hurry. I'll just sit here, I'll just sit here and have a drink of tea while you think about it.
1: You know what's funny? I'm like realizing how rarely I ask myself that, and that's not good either. Like I, I tend to, I'm the kind of person that focuses on how to be better and like things that I'm doing wrong, and I kind of focus on that because it, it makes me better and it gets me where I want to go. But it's it's so important to kind of look at what you're doing right too.
4: Yeah. What are you doing right?
1: Um. I'm really proud of where I'm at in a creative standpoint, like as a writer, as a creative, like in the music, when I'm co-writing, I'm also a co-producer on a lot of this album and I'm proud of that. Like I think the past two years, me and my team, like it's been really important to dive into the creative community in Nashville and put the music first.
4: I'm going to challenge you a little bit because I'm going to take your career out of this again. Oh, sorry. You know, that's okay. I do that all the time. No too. career. No career. Like, are you a good driver? It doesn't count. I'm gonna give you examples here. Oh, you're not a good driver. I, I just see. saw somebody shake their head no.
1: Oh, I have a I have I'm a terrible driver. Okay, good. Yeah, that my manager was back there calling <laughs> me out.
4: <laughs> she didn't call you out. I just happened to see a, a slight. Terrible head. driver. But what are you as a person? What are you why do people like you?
1: I I'm a really good cook.
4: Okay, I'm I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> This, this is something, right? This, this is, is why something. people
1: hang out with me because no, I cook them food. No, but it could be, like, a
4: reason they like to be around. Everybody has things that they contribute. For sure. You're a good cook. Do I'm you actually want to cook? proud of
1: this too. Um, I'm kind of self-taught. Like I grew up in a house where i like Southern. And Virginia is, I guess, kind of a weird cross-section. It's not Northern. It's not Southern. Like it always felt like it was in between. But my family, like my grandparents are from North Carolina, kind of. So very Southern. It was like you know, gravy and mashed potatoes and chicken and dumplings and, like, all of the the delicious, like, biscuits and just southern good cooking. Um, But I kind of try to be healthy. Like, over the past few years, I've realized that I feel better when I eat cleaner. So I think that just made me, I was like, I got to do it myself. Like, my mom's not going to cook for me. I got to kind of figure out how to do this. So I got obsessed with making really good salads, making really good, healthy food that makes me feel great so um, I love I love a good salad I've actually been told by a lot of people I make the, the best salad and people forget to season salads people forget salad. to like put thought into it I don't know
4: that I've ever had a best salad
1: like That's ever the thing. like you just you think it's like throwing lettuce in a bowl or Whatever. I do think that yeah you gotta like love it you gotta like take time with it you gotta season it really well you gotta put in like a lot of time into the dressing flavors like how do, Hummus, best, how do you put time and, in
4: a dressing? I just go to the uh, store and buy it, and pour it.
1: I make mine. Okay, I get like a blender, and you do like you do a bunch of different herbs, olive oil, um, tahini, avocados. Oh, well, look at you! Like, I'd be
4: proud of this too. How did this? I like will come make out you a salad one time. You know, one one I'm of these I'm not a big days. salad guy.
1: Maybe I'll convert you.
4: Lettuce, eh? What's the use? Lettuce is a waste. What? Kale, <clears throat> eh? Tastes bad. I could go through the whole list of why. Come on. Like big, dark, leafy greens. I don't like them, so I drink them
1: because it goes quicker. Oh, you do smoothies. I
4: do juices. Wow. And I don't even like vegetables and juice because I don't feel like that's a juice. That's more like an evil syrup or something. But I'll do it with my wife will have the green juice and put lemon and orange in it. And it'll just, I need something sugary because I'm still nine myself. It just but big leafy greens not really my thing
1: fair enough I'm a, I, a
4: cupcake guy Ice
1: <laughs> I totally understand I will say though I I see the leafy greens as like a vehicle for the rest of it it's like it's like the chip it's like
4: which reminds me say vehicle did your dad tell me if this is true or not your dad drove an Uber and would play people's music while in the car?
1: how do you know this story? That's absolutely accurate.
4: That's what, yeah, when you said vehicle, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a dad. It's true. My
1: dad is the actual best. Like, my parents are pretty much my number one fans.
4: What town was he doing this? Here? Nashville. Okay.
1: Which is the funny thing because he would end up with people in the car that like, like, are in the industry and will come up to me now and be like, oh my God, your dad one time, like years ago, played me your songs before they were ever out. How would he do it? I, you know, I, don't know for sure. Listen, I was never to in the car. this
4: and just turn it up. This or- is what
1: he, he told me. He was like, he would get in the car and just kind of have it playing in the background. And this was before History Breaking Up projects. It was before I released anything. So it was demos that he just would put on a playlist and like have it playing in the car. And he was always like, I, I would never say anything. Like, I, I don't bring it up. I just kind of wait. And if somebody asks a question about the music or a lot of people would try to shizam it and they'd be like, I can't find it. Like, who is it? And then he would like, just tell him the story. My dad's a talker. Like, he loves people. He's just that person. And people love my dad. He's um, just kind of life of the party, center of attention person. And so he would tell them the story, and they'd be like, oh, my God, we're going to be on the lookout. And there's actually been kind of a lot of really cool things that have come from that, believe it or not. Like, Fillmore— was in the car one time and we ended up like writing from that and getting connected and wow. putting out a song together. Because
4: he rode with your dad and your dad played the music. Because he was That's in so my dad's cool. Uber. Man, your crazy. dad loves you like crazy.
1: I mean, I'm his little girl. I'm his only girl. His first kid, like we're so so close.
4: Does Nashville, is that home to you? Does it, Is that home home? Because it's, it's home an to me. Interesting question. But it's not home home. Arkansas is it home, is home to home. Home. you? It's home. You call it home. Yeah. But it's like, I still go back home to Arkansas and sometimes I'm like,
1: if the what you just did, that's how I feel about Virginia Beach. And I describe this to people all the time. I'm like, it feels like I'm taking a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Like when the plan lanes lands, what did I say? Plan lanes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the like plane a, lands.
4: Yeah. In the lane. <laughs> in, the,
1: yes. in the lane. In the lane. It feels like I'm taking a deep breath and I can finally like this weight off my shoulders. Um, and I wonder if that's not because like Nashville, I moved here to do music. Like in a lot of ways it was work like being in Nashville means working it means nonstop, go 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 there's always somewhere to be there's always people to hang out with Um, but when I go back to Virginia yeah it does feel like a deep breath the ocean like I'm the water being by the water and you talked about this like you're not from the ocean so you're like I don't get it but me I didn't know what it was like to not have it five minutes down the road
4: it's like me with two cousins that are married I feel perfect around them I'm from Arkansas you know Mm. that's what we do so when I'm around all my cousins that are married to each other I'm like oh are you like joking home.
1: or are you actually serious? The
4: fact that you even had to ask that is also says <laughs> plenty about it. says
1: all. a lot about now, I have no
4: cousins that are married, but I do relate. And I think that's what it is for me too. I go home and it's like, I don't have anything that I have to do here. Mm, Meaning right. I don't have any of the pressures that are awesome pressures, by the way, that I've created myself here. Mm-hmm. But there, I just don't have that. And I, it's the same. I get there and I'm just like, like, somebody pulled a 20-pound backpack off of me.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a good feeling. Do you, you have family there still?
4: Uh, just a sister, yeah. Okay. And she's there, uh, but we go back. I almost ran for governor of Arkansas last year, and so I, we have a place out there that we don't really go to a whole lot, but I had to have a house there in case I ran. Um, so, yes, and she's from Oklahoma, so my wife and I, we make what we call the Hillbilly Trail. We go oh to Arkansas, then Oklahoma. I call it the Hillbilly Trail. She hates that name. So when I say we, I say it, and then she says stop calling it that. But we make that trail to Arkansas, my town, her town, Oklahoma, then all the way back.
1: I think it's awesome. What mm. part of Oklahoma is she from? Near Tulsa. That's so cool. You know, Tulsa is the place I played my first arena. The BOK Center. With who? Laney. As not Laney Wilson, everybody always thinks it's Laney Wilson, who's actually also incredible. I love her. Um, but it was the pop indie band Laney. And that was my first real tour ever, right really? out of COVID. How, I released... how did
4: you get that tour? Your first tour ever. How did you get that?
1: Crazy. Um, So I released a lot of music during COVID when you couldn't tour, obviously. And um, one of the first things, like me and my manager met about two years ago. And we kind of just started building this team. And one of the first things we did was meet with talent agents. And we met my agent, Jeffrey Hassan, with UTA really early on. You're, and... Are you UTA,
4: really? Mm-hmm. So am I. Are you? Yeah, I didn't know that. Usually, because, you know, we're not... I was at CA and I moved to UTA. Mm. And usually you're like, oh, it's my UTA part. I didn't know you were at UTA.
1: UTA squad, I let's know. go. Who knew? We didn't even know. Um, well. But Jeffrey's the actual best. And we met. It was the tail end of COVID. I'll never forget it. We sat outside Pinewood Social. And he was, like, double masked up because he was like, I'm not supposed to be meeting with people, but I want to I hang out. And one of the first things we talked about was just influences, who I loved, who I was listening to, like goals. And that was one of the bands that I mentioned. Because I've loved them since their first EP. I was such a fan. And they're actually really connected in Nashville, too. Like, they lived here, went to Belmont. School here, yeah. Um, A lot of writers are on their records with them from Nashville. Dan, Dan Smyers. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Sasha Sloan, who's here now. Um, But that tour was an absolute dream. And it, it really was just an organic thing. Like, I had covered a bunch of their songs. Paul had seen it, reposted. Like, was a fan of the music. And it just made a lot of sense. And that tour was fun. And it also...
4: So they just said, hey, yeah. Come on, come out with us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a team effort. It was from all sides. Jeffrey and UTA, like, They needed an opener,
4: but you also really enjoyed their music. And
1: that's awesome. It's just organic, which I'm lucky enough that all of my, all the tours I've been a part of have really been that way. I mean, Mitchell was the same way.
4: I was going to ask about how that collaboration come together.
1: So we met writing You Don't Deserve a Country song. That was the first song we wrote together. And I, again, like, love his music. Such a fan of what he does. He's such an, he's just so authentic, always himself. And that's, I think, what his fans love about him, too. Um, And we met writing that song and instantly connected, just from a creative standpoint. We're very much both, like, kind of emo kids. We laugh about it because we just love that rock emo vibe. I play in this open tuning. And I think once I started playing, he was like, oh, my God, this is sick. This is going to be great.
4: You play in open tuning?
1: I do. Open D?
4: Yeah, why? Why?
1: It's funny. It's a a writer showed me this tuning years and years and years ago, and I just never went back. Like I fell in love with the way it played with my melodies.
4: Do you feel that you have to uh, manipulate chords, or when someone's like, "Okay, play," we'll go easy. Play a C chord, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same to you because your tuning's a bit different. That's right. So
1: it is a little bit of like mental math. Okay. Um, And there's some keys like that I can't play in because of the tuning, there's like one or two that I can't get to. But for the most part I find, find, it more advantageous I find my than... way around. Yeah, good. Um, And it's kind of become like my signature thing. Like I play on pretty much all my songs and it kind of just is this through line. Um, But you, I, I love it. You it's and hard. Mitchell
4: were writing that song and then you what? Then he's like, let's sing together. Yeah,
1: we st- well, the collab came later. We started just writing a bunch together. Like we've written, I think, we've only written four times, believe it or not, four or five times and every single song we've written has ended up on this album, which is special. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know this as a writer. Like, you write with people, I'm and not you a writer love like them.
4: You don't, you don't consider. I, I'm a dumb writer. Oh so, come on! So, I, but you get it, okay? I, like, there's we'll, people we'll that there. you love. Fair, I get it, but I'm not like you, and that I'm not talented. But anyway, go ahead.
1: I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna fight. Go ahead. you. Um, We we just bonded. Like the fact that we only wrote that many songs, and every single one was something that I loved. Like that doesn't happen a lot. So. um... We had that and then we went on tour together, which was so much fun. And that was top of last year. Yeah. Um, and I was solo acoustic on that tour, like 40 minutes set. I learned so much out there in these Ooh, crazy bars. 40
4: minutes solo acoustic? 40
1: minutes solo acoustic. That's that's tough. Um, I had to work for it. I had yeah. to work for it. And it taught me so much about just performing. Like it wasn't about how good I sounded. It wasn't about the songs really, because a lot of people going and don't know who I am. They don't care. They just want to have a good time. They Want to connect with me as a person, and so I learned to just be in the moment on stage and make moments happen and just connect with the crowd and like have to reel people in just with my voice and my guitar. So now when I play full band, it's like cakewalk, it's like this is easy,
4: yeah. Uh, four, four final questions. Uh, speaking of collabs, I think, uh, you and Breland,
1: me and Breland too. I, yeah. I just
4: was flipping through, and Marcus, who I love, who's who, who's a writer, I think I saw yes. a picture of you guys. Like the camera Marcus on is the a ground. homie. Yeah, camera's on the ground or something, right? My
1: manager actually took that literally two days oh, yeah. ago outside the Ryman, and we always take these like from the ground up, and it's just like become our thing because I I'm a big sneakerhead too, so a lot of times it's like show off the Jordans. But Marcus is awesome, and he's written like a bunch of stuff for me, and been a fan, and he always has the best fits. Yeah, al- did
4: you always. see his outfit? Uh, I've seen a lot of them, and they're all just so good. I can't remember all the yes, but he's always Unreal. dressed like perfectly. Um, but I saw him and then the Breland thing near each other on an Instagram feed so what you guys are together like doing a song
1: yeah so his Breland, song or your song his song okay. his song for what it's worth which I loved that song and he reached out a few months ago and
4: he's awesome Well, he's so
1: he's good best, yeah um I, I saw him for the first time live at Whiskey Jam and this was like I remember it because it was his whole team was like this is the first show he's ever played because similar to me like in COVID released a lot of music had mm-hmm. that one go crazy and um, I was like you would never know like just watching him. He's such an entertainer That was a fun night because it was a whole squad so many talented people, but he called about Gosh, three four months ago now maybe longer. I don't know what time it is but He wanted to feature on this song and he's like, you know, you're my first choice Um, obviously would written a lot of breakup songs like my first two projects were all breakup So he's like I feel like you would have a perspective on this and listening to that song I'm like how many times have I wished an ex would say something like this to me and I felt that way in a lot of ways too it's like like we were talking about earlier you own up to mistakes and you kind of look back and you're like man I kind of screwed that up so I immediately like saw myself in it got in with Liz Rose wrote that second verse and it just turned out to be a perfect lab and it's been so cool to see people react to it in a different way, and I feel like that perspective, it, it to me, it felt like that song always wanted to be a collab. Like, having both sides of it, I think, is really cool. All
4: right, three questions left. I want to go to your name. You have to tell people you're not related to Bruce Springsteen all the time?
1: Man, all the time. Like, it, I and I get it. Like, there's not a ton of Springsteens. It's kind of two. an uncommon you name. I you and him. <laughs> Just two. I mean, Just that's us. literally
4: the only two I know.
1: It's, um, but we're not related. Like, there's no... And, there's no...
4: Is it spelled the same? It's, it's spelled, the same. spelled the
1: exact same.
4: Oof. Yeah, yeah, it's tough.
1: So, like, I've dealt with it. My dad, it's funny, like, growing up, people would call their house and be like, is Bruce there? And he'd be like, oh, he's in the shower. Like, give me a minute. And just, like, mess around with people. Um,
4: have you done the, the family tree thing? You know you're not related?
1: We haven't yet. We haven't done Ancestry, so... Like
4: sixth cousin? You almost I've, don't maybe... want him to be, though, because you don't have to tell that story. Exactly. Because eventually people are going to... And I wasn't even gonna ask you about it, but I was like, I bet I want to ask you about getting asked about it. Yeah, that, is that I appreciate all, is that. Is that the first question that a lot of people go? So are you it's starting to, to change a little good.
1: bit, um, which is good. But yeah, I, people always ask. Like I'm used to it at this point.
4: Okay. The other thing is two questions left. Your first name,
1: mm-hmm.
4: not what how most people would say it. Do Elena. They, do, yes. Do they often say it wrong?
1: Always. Well, often is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, I get Elena. I get Alana. I get a lot of, and two ends sometimes, it's, it's kind of funny. Like Starbucks is a nightmare. So I've just started telling him my name is Sam because it's an absolute nightmare. Um,
4: Do you have your people make sure? Because here's the, I say this is from an empathetic perspective. When I was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, big night for me as the youngest person ever inducted, huge, a wow, wow, people are flying into Chicago, wow. the big ceremony, and they say, and Bobby Jones. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Oh
1: my god!
4: And so, no. it's it often happens all was
1: that like a mental thing for you? Like hearing that, do you go, "Oh my god"? It happens. Does it set you back? It happens
4: enough to where I don't get upset at it. I get a little annoyed, but it's happening less and less because
0: because
4: be, right? Yeah. S- same with you. Like all this crap here that's kind of annoying. You're gonna have different reasons to be annoyed later. Yeah. But the Bobby Jones thing. At pretty big parts of my career, wow. they'd be like, and Bobby Jones. And sometimes I'm live on television. And you just go, and I, and I just like, don't <laughs> I react, just keep, going, right, just keep going. Right, right,
1: right, right. Um, and you have such a cool name that shocks me that. Well, it's people- a fake name,
4: and it's not like a pirate, but whatever.
1: It, it, it's not a fake Is it a fake name?
4: Yeah, my real name is Bobby Estill.
1: I did not know that.
4: So, and my wife uses my real name because she's like, I'm not going by Caitlyn Bones.
1: Wow. She's like, that's
4: the dumbest thing I ever heard. And I'm like, Cool. Cool. It's and fine. so she's, you know, she goes by Caitlin Estel. Yeah. And so, but
1: yeah, you get it. You get it. Yeah.
4: I just people got Bobby Jones. I'm just like, oh. So if they get, if they're like, here's Elena Springsteen.
1: I I internal eye roll, but mm-hmm. the show goes on and uh, it's fine. Like I I really don't get as annoyed as some of my people on my team do. So it's fine. Um, but I've actually kind of started just having fun with it, like. There's been a couple of times where they've gotten both wrong and it's like Elena Springfield. So now I, <laughs> That's now, funny. Now I have this alter ego. She's Elena Springfield. She's mm-hmm. real country like this. And so sometimes Elena Springfield will have, come out and have some fun.
4: <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, final two questions. Uh, when you leave here today, what will you
1: do? I'm actually going to the studio today. Um, I'm getting together with my producer, Will Weatherly, and we're working on this song for the album. It's just a kind of... Mm, I'm simultaneously doing everything at once. like I'm touring while I'm writing, while I'm producing, and that's just the nature of, I feel like, the way the industry is now. Like Maybe at some point it'll be more like, you write the record, you produce the record, then you tour the record, then it continues. But right now it's kind of everything at once, which is has its challenges, but it also, I think, is creating a really unique album because I'm just in the thick of it while I'm creating, and it's fun.
4: I'm sure you get the Taylor parallels all the time but even when you said you write with liz liz rose you know liz i love liz she's just the best actual best and you know liz wrote a whole bunch of stuff with taylor early on full albums Mm -hmm. like she's a big part of the reason that taylor was able to come so hard and so quick here in nashville Mm -hmm. and so when you write with liz are you ever like man this is super cool
1: oh it's it's weird and i have to like stop and think about it and it's pretty surreal i mean yeah, those songs that she wrote with Taylor, and even live little big town, like these other artists. All the um, love
4: junkie stuff is just awesome. all of it. Yeah, I yeah.
1: just had a, my first love junkie's day. You like, did, yeah,
4: with all three Hillary, all three of them,
1: and wow. it was a pinch me moment. I mean, just it, you're in the presence of greatness in yeah. that room, and
4: you're in the presence of greatness that also wants to write with you because they can write with anybody else. Like it's that's crazy.
1: the
0: cool.
4: Yeah, that's the cool thing,
1: and, and it blows my mind. Like I'm lucky enough. Like I've been on a couple of retreats with Liz too, and we go to her beach house and. Actually, Shoulder to Cry on, 20 something, both came out of that retreat, which are ending up on the record. And um, it was probably some of the most special four days of my life. I don't know what it was. It was just really magical. We were, for the first time, I was writing on the water. So I think that was part of it. I just felt so at peace, so at ease. Um, But she's just one of those writers. Like you get in the room and you're like, I see why you're Liz Rose. She has this way of just making you feel so um, safe. And good. Yeah. like able to just Not talk about judged. anything, Yeah, just, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, which is crazy because she's a legend. And in a lot of ways, you're like nervous. You're like, oh my God, this is Liz Rose. But she's so good at just finding what it what the song is. Like I'll sit there and we'll talk for an hour and she'll be like, how about this? You said this like 30 minutes ago. And I feel like this, we really need to say this. And it ends up being the most vulnerable thing I've ever written. And it's just beautiful how she can do that. I, I look up to it so much.
4: Um, some of the songs, and we're going to wrap here, but that I've put on our national countdown, or it's our Women of I, Our Country show that I would listen to and be like, man, that's so good. I have them all listed here. Uh, Shoulder to Cry On, Why You're At It, Trust Issues, Me, Myself, and Why, Zero Trucks. It's funny. That, that was Got to.
1: Funny. You that, like that it. Was, yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I just had to because <laughs> this, this
4: is funny. <laughs> so of those songs, I'm going to give you those five options because over the last two years, year and a half or so, been listening to those. I've for one reason or another been like, oh, let's put this on the on the national playlist. Wow. Which of those songs do you look at and go, still love it so much. It still represents either who I am or who I was.
1: Mm. Shoulder to cry on. And I don't know if still applies as much to it because I just released it really recently. so it's very like feels like me right now. but I think that's one that years from now I'll look back and be so proud of because, just the song, I feel like the song, from a songwriting perspective, that's one of my favorites I've ever written. I love a good hook where it just kind of, it's a turn on a phrase that you didn't expect. And um, I've just admired that about country music and been like, I want to write like that. And I feel like this song is special to me because of that. And it's also a vulnerable one for me. I just It kind of speaks to the fact that I'm not really good at being vulnerable in front of people.
4: It's vulnerable to say that you're not good at being vulnerable though, did you know that?
1: You're right. That's kind of trippy. It's like a mental game, but exactly,
4: it's like uh, Inception. But
1: yeah, I admittedly like I'm. I hate crying in front of people. Like I, when I process if you said emotions, you cried
4: thinking about how you hate crying in front of people.
1: That would also the same that thing. That would
4: be similar. Yeah. <laughs> that okay, probably in
1: tears. <laughs>
4: the first song released in the track one on the album, "You Don't Deserve a Country Song," mm-hmm. which you wrote with Mitchell, uh, Jeff Warburton, Will Weatherly, Michael Whitworth. So that's. That's there. That's yeah. It's the number one streaming song you have right now. I was looking at all, all the stuff. I
1: didn't know that, it actually.
4: Is. The second song, and it's the last song on the album, which is Shoulder to Cry, which you just talked about, mm-hmm. right? And then you have four other ones coming from this specific project, right? Because you said six.
1: Right. Um, Goodbye Looks Good on You, All Caught Up to Me, uh, If You Love Me Now, and Tennessee is Mine.
4: Mike, play me just a little bit of Tennessee is Mine, and then we're going to wrap it up here. and. <laughs> we'll go to podcast jail if we play more than that uh okay this has been a delightful conversation thank you you you're fun to talk to i mean back
1: at you it's just like yeah super i knew it was gonna be fun but i feel like we got we got really deep we talked we talked about so much (laughs) i feel like this was a little mini therapy session
4: we did mike how long we go here an hour 10 that's good yeah, look going that. You. you
1: know what? I'm going to spend more time thinking about things that I'm doing well and good at. That's what I do. Well, but don't out spend too much, but just
4: a little bit. Just
1: just enough. That's what
4: I've learned in therapy <laughs> that I need to acknowledge things I'm good at. So when I beat myself up, which I constantly do for things I'm not as good at as I hoped and yep. try to be, I can somewhat reach into the good bucket so I don't go crazy. That, I'm thanks always, Bobby's I'm therapist. Always in the bad bucket.
1: Benefiting from I'm that. that going one too.
4: To the, so you owe me like 20 bucks for that session? That's just a little sliver of what I paid. Oh, man. So I'll take 20 bucks. The tea
1: covers half that.
4: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you guys follow, follow uh, Lance Springsteen on Instagram uh, on TikTok. Same thing, same name. It's all there. Good for you for having your own name. D- I said your... Did I say... I didn't, did you say you know, did Alana? I, no, I said Atlanta. It's I sw- Alana. It's oh, Alana. Oh my god, now I've tripped myself up <laughs> by talking about how your name gets messed up. Alright, so Bobby Jones here. We're going to see you guys next time. <laughs> All right, we're done. Uh, good to see you. Good see, to
1: see you. Thank right. you so much. See you later.
4: Love this episode of the Bobby
3: Cast. Subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need